this is this is this is this is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. Welcome back, everybody. What's good, bro? How you doing, man? I'm chilling, man. Chilling, chilling, man. Um, I, I got to get used to um, being on the other side of the the interview questions. Oh, <laughs> you know bro. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What's up, bro? That's, that's I appreciate you doing thing. this for me, man. Appreciate you doing oh, this yeah. for me, man. Yeah, man. I mean, look, we got to document. We got to document these things. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And yes, sir. On the ground floor, it's up to us to tell the story right. Let's do it yes, right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I appreciate you too. You know, I think uh, Joe Villa and who was it? My man Bridge. I think my man Bridge sent me a link to when you were talking to Joe. So I yeah, you were that in there that night. Yeah, you were in the comments. I saw you that night. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, both so. substantial and uh, Rags and um, Enjoy they all told me to reach out to you. You know, they said that you're a person to talk to. So yeah. But uh, <laughs> so uh, this is episode 15 tonight, y'all. Uh, Hidden Gems, got my man DJ RBI tonight. Um, we're going to get into his story. Uh, we're going to delve into his past along with the present topics of uh, what's going on in his lifestyle and also get to learn about the scene uh, from his perspective. So, um, RBI, let's, let's uh, kick it in, man. How, does, how did your story begin, man? How did you get into DJing and how, where, where does everything begin with you? Uh, DJing, DJing for me has different tiers. Uh, I call it like a, like a tale of two cities, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so my father, my father was a supreme record collector, right? Like he had more, I've met a lot of people that got a lot of records. I still don't know nobody who is touching my pop's record collection. Wow. Um, yeah, and growing up with that, I was always around. it. So seeing a lot of music, hearing a lot of music, seeing someone with a lot of passion for, who knows about it, who wants to put other people onto it. That was something I, I grew up, I literally grew up with that, you know? Um, then beyond my father's direct influence, I got a cousin that's like maybe two and a half years older than me. And he was, he actually looked up to my father too. You know, a lot of people on my father's side of the family were really into music, but my father was the man, you know. My cousin at the same time, he kind of did his own thing, but I saw that direct influence as I got older. You know, he even told me later. But since he was younger, his music was what was happening at the time. So whatever was happening, in the mid 70s or going into the early 80s, that was the stuff that he was into. And I emulated him to a large degree. So when hip hop kind of swung around, that was my music too, you know? So from yeah. there, kind of following a path, a lot of my cousin's influences on me. And um, when I kind of decided like, hey, you know, I, I, like, I like what's going on. You know how kids will always kind of like try to scratch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, You know, so I played around with that, trying not to mess up record players and things like that. But once I got a, you know, I was like, you know what, I could probably do this. I can probably do this. You know, I got my own records, you know. Uh, my father used to buy me records. Um, uh, my, my mom would give me money for records. So I just kind of got into it from there. And as I got older, you know, going into adolescence, hip-hop was cracking. You know, it was cracking. So, you know, I wanted to, to literally be like, okay, 
I heard Molly Maul do this scratch on the radio. I got the same record. Can I move it to make it sound like the way he did it? You know what I mean? And when I started figuring out, okay, I, I can actually do that. How did he cut the sound off? I didn't have no real DJ equipment, but I started figuring out how to make what I had mimic what I heard. And I just like, okay, I'm going to stick with it. Like it, I, I, when I got that bug and it really bit me, it was a rap. You know, I'm an artist too. So it's not strictly about hip hop. I'm an artistic person. So mm -hmm. all my passions converge and, and hip hop is one of the strongest conduits in, in being a DJ. Cause I made, I was a producer I and mean, I still do on the side from time to time, okay. but at a certain point, I couldn't even afford real DJ equipment, but we could afford a little bit of production equipment. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was able to do a lot of production earlier than I was able to actually really DJ. But the sensibilities are the same. You're collecting records. You're using equipment. You're learning how to make sounds, do what you want them to do. So eventually, I was able to build up the money and, uh, buy, you know, buy my own DJ equipment. And I just kind of took it from there. How did you come up with your name, RBI? I didn't come up with this name. Okay. Uh, Trying to get a name was very tough for me because uh, at, at a certain point I wasn't even I was I was I was I used to write rhymes you know what I'm saying okay and I played around with rapping you know so I basically you know how a lot of people are like hey I practice all these different elements of hip hop I was kind of like that you know yeah, um, yeah. music of course you know the DJing aspect was was heavier but I I wrote rhymes you know I played around with rapping I was a pretty good lyricist you know okay but <laughs> when I came up with what what I was doing originally. A great influence for me is DJ Red Alert. So uh, I just called myself DJ R at first, right? And I was rocking with that for a little while. And eventually I came up with the word genocide because I was doing the rap thing, right? I was writing lyrics. So, you know, everybody wanted to be the illest lyricist. Who yeah. was going to be genocide, right? So I was toying with that. And then one day, main sources, um, Breaking Adams came out and the anticipation for that record was so big, you know, when the album dropped and every song was dope, you know, we were all listening to that album. And I had a homie who uh, took homeroom with me. His name was Jordan Meadows. And he came to class one day after listening to a friendly game of baseball off of uh, Main Source's album. And every day for like a month, he would walk in, run into the, to the room, sit down and go, R-B-I, and point at him. And he just kept doing that. He just kept doing it, and he said it so much. After a while, I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm to use that. I'm going to use that right there. I'm going to use That's that. Dope, I, just, I took it from him. I didn't come up with it myself. But he, he okay. was a – Jordan was like a, a guy who – because I, I – my, my family, um, my aunt and my uncle, my cousins, they, they lived in Connecticut. So a lot of hip-hop that wouldn't really make it to D.C. until like maybe weeks or months later, I had access to it because either – I would be in the area, and Connecticut is adjacent to New York, so anything that was really on the radio popping, we would get it. So um, there weren't a lot of people who live here who had the experience the way I had it. They got hip-hop from me, you know what I mean, because I got it from when I went up top or if my cousin made me a tape, you know, I would, I would listen to the tapes. But Jordan was somebody who I can identify with because he had a similar experience. And my family had actually moved from that area in the early 90s, so... Jordan and I became fast friends. And that was one, you know how you, you get those those friends who they, they gain an influence on you, you know. Yep. It's like a kindred yep. spirit. Um, it was almost like an honor for him to steadily come and mess with me and say that because he he knew that we were about hip hop that much. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, you know, 
I haven't seen I haven't seen dude since like '92. You know what I'm saying? Are you still? Oh, you, you haven't seen him for a minute? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Wow, man, yeah, that's crazy. You know, that's the he named me and actually got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't uh, going about RBI. I was just going about RBI because once again, I wasn't DJing yet. You know, I, I made I was DJing more uh, sense of being able to assemble music. Like I had all the music that everybody wanted to hear, stuff like that. And I would make my own pause tapes. I learned how to pause mix. I learned how to loop beats and all every, all the stuff you hear, all the producers and everybody talk about. I used to do that too. I didn't know that they did it though. I was just trying to figure yeah. out a way to do something fly and entertain people who would want to get tapes from me. But um, I was just RBI for a while because I just looked at it like I'm an, I'm artistic. So I drew, I painted, I did music, you know. And earlier in the scene, my name would pop up on stuff that didn't have um, any DJing stuff on it. But um, like artwork, I did artwork for people and stuff like that. So you would just see RBI. And eventually, after I really started rolling with DJing and stuff, people would just call me DJ RBI. And I used to correct them at first. I used to just be like, nah, it's just RBI, there's no DJ on it. But after a while, I was like, let me just, let me rock with that because, you know, it's, it's competitive, you know. And I was starting to really be known for DJing. So I was like, I'll just keep it, you know. But I, I, I go back and forth between it, you know. It's RBI or DJ RBI, either way. Okay, okay. Um, coming up, what, what were some of the big uh, events and places that made an impact on you that kind of, like, influenced you in, in a big way coming up in the scene in D.C.? In D.C.? Um, in Maryland, D.C. and Maryland? Yeah, I'm, I'm – that's – that's, can get a little bit more specific because it's a lot of went, a lot of stuff went on down out here. In the in the 90s, I guess coming up, you know, like what what were some of like so I guess even before you start DJing, like whether were you participating in like events and like events like in a yeah yeah. yeah. The 90s, um, as far as stuff that made an impact, I will I will say this much. Um, in '93, three things happened. Um, that really I I kind of feel like made a very strong impression that continues to this day because a lot of relationships were built from my eyes in 1993 that, um, that lifelong bonds, lifelong relationships affected a lot of what would come after that. Right. So in 1993, I graduated from Duke Ellington and, um, I had homies that would rock with me. Uh, you might know some of these guys, uh, Slim Cat 78. He was one of my, my homies, you know, uh, a little younger than me, but we were tight, you know. Uh, another brother by the name of Lakim, a brother by the name of Ray, and another guy who didn't go to school with us, but his name is, he went by HL. And we were like a crew, like we were a loose crew, you know what I mean? Like, because we always did stuff together in high school, you know making music, making demos, and I ain't gonna lie, we made the hottest stuff. Like, there were other people that were doing stuff in Duke Ellington, but they couldn't see us. They couldn't see us, because we had that, we were hip-hop, like, we were hip-hop, like, not, you know, um, emulating uh, stuff that that's so far away from it, like, we were on a, we were kind of ahead of the curve, you know, we knew about break beats and, and um, knowing how to loop and find samples and stuff like that, versus, like, you know, a lot of guys are still messing with the keyboards and using drum machines and stuff like that, which is cool, but yeah. that, was, that was a little old school, <laughs> about, you know, 92, 93. Uh, but I say that to say those guys and I 
uh, were going to studio sessions, uh, courtesy of my man Lock Him at the time. So Lock Him, I know he gave me some of my first like hands-on studio experience uh, being a, a, a virgin and producer. And uh, HL and, and Slim Cat, at the time Slim Cat was called Aquaman, these guys, as good as I knew myself to be at that time, these guys were like wizards, you know what I mean? So technique-wise, idea-wise, they fed a lot of energy into, into our momentum. And when we went to the studio, we just had fun in the studio. Yeah, I say all that to say we left a studio session one day that Lakim had booked. And Lakim had actually known about a, a showcase he was invited to participate in. It was a place called The Retox. It's now uh, DC9 on U Street. This was 93. Uh, we went, Lakim, Slim Cat, HL, and myself, we just walked from the studio to the joint, just really like enjoying the, the last studio, uh, studio experience we just had and just kind of tripping off of like the energy was still with us. Like, man, because the music was dope. Like we were doing some interesting stuff, you know? So we got to the retox and we walked upstairs and we just saw all these people there, all these people there. Now, during that same period, WPFW had started a hip hop program called the underground sound. And we had caught wind of it maybe a few weeks earlier. And just keep in mind, you know, DC's hip hop sound hadn't necessarily like really developed yet, but the scene was started to come together with hip hop ethos, not so much being indebted to Gogo as, as the earlier guys who came before us were. So, Listening to the Underground Sound Show, we heard people like a guy named Tim Buck. We heard a uh, 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 sister by the name of Chia that was on there rapping. And they sounded dope. Like They sounded like they could compete with the rappers that were out at the time, and they happened to be from D.C. So when we get to the retox and we go upstairs, we actually see Chia. It's like, oh, that's the girl that was on the radio, right? In the midst of all that, we started meeting all these other people. Uh, a guy named G. Clef had a group called Last Resort. We know him as Head Rock now. Uh, a group called, uh, what were they called? Uh, Urban Dialect. I think they were called Urban Dialect. Uh, uh, one of the rappers from there at the time was called One Two. He's now Dimes from uh, PKG ARK. Long story short, the Infinite Loop, which would uh, wind up kind of being like DC's Wu-Tang in a, in a sense, most yeah. of the people who, who became Infinite Loop were there at that time. And most of us were all meeting each other that day. You know, most of us were all meeting each other. I, I don't think, I don't think uh, Head Rock knew most of the people in that room and vice versa. You know, uh, Theory, the producer, was there. A guy named D-Man was there. A guy named Ty, he DJs as Ty One, he was there. Uh, 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 who, else? who else was there, man? Uh D-Man, uh, uh, Los, Brother Los was there. Um, Chia, Chia was there. A guy named Face was there. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling all the Infinite Loop guys that I remember from back then. But long story short, that, that day was a bonding opportunity for a lot of artists because the Loop, the Infinite Loop wasn't even a concept yet. We were just all disparate groups and, um, after seeing everybody perform and do their thing, it's, I ain't gonna lie, especially us, we came with some fire. We came with some fire. And our production was so far ahead of what most of the guys were doing that they became fans of us. 
and and we just bonded with them initially there. After that, uh, we would see each other around, and I'm I'm moving it forward to kind of show you like how the building blocks in 1993 being so so essential. There was also a movement on Howard University's campus called the Freestyle Union that was coming together, and there was also a Zulu Nation chapter, DC's Zulu Nation chapter, the 93 version had what once again most of the guys that you know from the 90s who were really doing a lot of stuff on the hip hop scene floated through that Zulu Nation chapter. I mean, people going as far as uh, uh, Young Guru was was in that chapter with us, you know. So um, that particular year, because I can't say an instance, but that year of 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 coming into contact with a lot of different people and these uh, relationships being being formed was pivotal. That was a very pivotal thing there. Like X-Man show brought a lot of people together. The Zulu Nation brought a lot of people together. Freestyle Union brought a lot of people together. And like I said, uh, eventually, the Infinite Loop was formed. Eventually, artists like Priest and Kokai and Sub-Z uh, were emerged to be like stars from the Freestyle Union. Uh, people like Young Guru will go on to do his thing from the Zulu Nation chapter. A lot of the people who were in the Zulu Nation chapter formed uh, jo joined Freestyle Union. A lot of those artists uh, went to X Man show. You know, uh, X Man show doesn't get get a lot of, of props, and it should because it was one of those uh, opportunities for people to to perform for everybody to hear. And he used to do these things called freestyle marathons. And he would invite so many different artists from the area to come up and perform. So you you it even got to a point where the Roots came by one time and, and rocked. And uh, I remember a sister by the name of Red, Timber Red, she rocked with them that day. And um, she, you know, she held her own, you know. And eventually, I don't remember if they put the whole session, but they put part of that session as a bonus feature on one of their later albums. So that, you know, just props to X-Men on that, you know, but. 93, man, that, those particular uh, gatherings pretty much made up a, a good bulk of what will come for the next 15 years in, in this city. Wow, man. That was some knowledge you just dropped right there, man, <laughs> for me, for me specifically. So, um, yeah. Human Profits, I believe, was a play. Was, was that a play or, or was that a crew or was it both? Human Profits was a group. It's, it's still okay. a group. We, we kind of on hiatus because, you know, folks are doing their thing, but not really. I mean, whenever the bat signal goes up, uh, I'm, I'm going to say right now, my man, straightforward is the uh, the engine behind moving Human Profits right now. But Human Profits is a, is a hip-hop theater act. So it's gotcha. an act that produces hip-hop music, but can also adapt the ideas from the music into stage performances and vice versa. So you um you get elements of, of stage and theater on the actual projects, and you also get strong elements of hip hop in a in a theater context. You know when you see us rock, you know. And dope thing about that is it's real hip hop. It's not corny. I'm telling you, man. Like this is the one that I, I want to keep driving that through because I think a lot of people get graded on the curve and they don't really understand. Like to me, to really be dope, you got to put that work in. And, yeah. and a lot of the people that I, I've, I've been fortunate to work with or, or vice versa, you know, we, we take it seriously. So we try to put the work in and uh, it shows a lot of uh, things can be competitive with stuff that, you know, 
from the major markets, you know, it just doesn't have the exposure. But when you experience it, you probably won't be disappointed. So Human Profits is origin. People know him as Jabari on the streets, but his origin, uh, my man Straightforward, is Baya Hirel and myself, DJ RBI. And um brother by the name of Amadou was down with Human Profits as well. Um, Amadou is now kind of like the fifth Beatle, you know, of a Human Profits. Side note about um, Origin. Origin was also within, uh, I know you're about to ask me about Ram Deferred, so uh, he was also yeah, in Ram yep. Deferred. You already saw that coming, yeah. Met Origin in Ram Deferred. And uh, the relationships, once again, that were built from that, Jabari Exum, who was Origin, uh, was able to take his authenticity and add it to the Black Panther movie that came out um, a couple of years ago. Because one of the stars of Black, actually the star of Black Panther was one of our comrades in Rhyme Defer. So that relationship, once again, you know. And his other thing, Origin was a, a young lion in Freestyle Union. You get, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's, it all it's connects. It all connects. It all connects, yeah. So, so yeah, I was going to ask about Rhyme Defer. What, what was Rhyme Deferred about? What was the whole process of that? How that come about? All right, so I can't give you the definitive roots of Rhyme Deferred. I can tell you um, how I came into it. Yeah, um, exactly. So I came into it because of a, a good buddy of mine by the name of Rene Toussaint. He calls himself DJ Think. Uh, I think on, on Instagram, he's real DJ Think, if you want to look him up. Uh, uh -huh. he's, he's, he's my guy. Um, he would be the first person I would consider to be a, a mentor He's only a couple years younger than me, but uh, I didn't have DJ equipment. He had DJ equipment at Howard. And he was just real cool, man. He looked out for me a lot. We, we got really cool. You know, I got to meet his family as we were kind of getting to know each other earlier in the 90s. So, you know, by the time things got around to Rhyme Deferred, his uh, girlfriend at the time was the person who wrote the play. And he was a part of shaping the hip-hop aspects of it on the musical side. So originally, I think um, I think my man Tech One might have been involved before I came in, but uh, he pulled me in. I think some it was some type of situation where Tech One couldn't couldn't really do it. So I came in and did my thing with it. You know, he he told me what he needed me to do, and I had the records. You know, and we uh, adapted these abstract ideas. At the time, there was a big thing in in, in hip hop with the commercial and underground size really being frayed and the values that were held within that, right? So if you if you can take like two figures and say most deaf and P. Diddy were brothers and uh grew up forming different uh paths within the realm of hip hop and how does how does that affect things, right? So uh, but it was very abstract. It was very abstract. Uh we were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of, I'm, I'm trying to find a good way to describe it because, yo, Ram Defer was one of the illest, like, experiences that I, I, I've had. Uh, but, yeah, basically it was a story. It was a story of two brothers, like Cain and Abel almost, uh, okay. navigating. And it was, it was also like an arc of redemption, you know, and within that storyline because Diddy, Diddy had to, to come and face the music with most, if you kind of get what I'm saying, uh, through that story. Yeah. Origin, Origin was the most deaf figure. He played the most deaf figure in Rhyme Deferred. But Rhyme Deferred, Camilla Forbes is the uh, the playwright of Rhyme Deferred. And, uh, you know, you guys may, if you ever heard of High Arts, 
that's her organization. Uh, Camilla's done a lot of um, substantial things within the, the entertainment industry. Uh, Deaf Poetry Jam. Uh, I think they did a version of The Wiz recently. And she's she's uh, been involved, I think, somehow she's been involved with Hamilton. I don't know specifically, but, you know, something like that. She's 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 involved somehow with Hamilton. And many people have given us credit for laying a lot of the groundwork with Ron Deferred for hip-hop theater as it will become, uh, I guess, a, a, a phenomenon through something like Hamilton, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, run down a little bit more of the personnel that you know. I, I really think uh, folks should know who are involved. My man uh, Obi was was down with us. Uh, there was a group called Shy Garden. Uh, Camilla was a part of that. She's from Chicago, and uh, I forgot the sister's name. It's been so long. Um, but another sister was from New Jersey, but she was down with it. My man Kokai got down with it. Uh, Priest and Nomad got down with it. Yeah, West Franklin got down with it. Tech One got down with it. DJ Eskimo got down with it. Um, and Chadwick Boseman, what am I talking about? Chadwick Boseman, everybody knows him as the Black Panther. He was like uh, the oracle uh, of, the, of the whole thing. He was the supernatural oracle who narrated to the audience and also kind of manipulated at certain times the, the trajectory of the characters, you know. Uh, but he, he was kind of hands-off, but he was a little, you know what I mean? It, it, it's hard <laughs> to describe it, man. It's been it's been twenty years since we've done Ron Defer. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so but, this is twenty um, years ago. When it's all happened, yeah. twenty years ago. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, more than twenty twenty plus, but basically twenty years ago since we yeah. did Ron. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was the joint, man. It was the joint. And DJ, yeah, look, we, I didn't even talk about the B boys and the and the uh, the graph writers. I was um, I was gonna say uh, the, the B boys that told me about that whole thing was uh. Tiger from Natural Elements Crew and Kraft. They're the ones that told me to mention that to you. So, yeah. Yep. Sir, and then see, those, those, those are the homies. So they were the Natural Elements Crew, but then the Alliance Design got, got down with it a little yep. later, you know. Ghost, yep. And Noob, you know what I mean? Uh, my man Scrambles. Like, dope, man. It was, it was, it was, it was a real hip-hop thing, man. It was, it was, and it really, I, I, I give, I give them credit. Uh, Naya Kia, uh, one of the, uh, the folks that were producing it, give them a lot of credit for, for really either having the eye or taking the advice from people who had good suggestions on, on uh, filling out their cast with, with the right individuals because it was a formidable cast. Like nobody was a scrub. Everybody, I, I keep making that point because I'm telling you, I really feel like a lot of stuff is borderline corny when it comes to people actually putting hip hop elements into things when they wanted to make it a hyphenated hip hop thing. But nah, this was a real deal. This is a real deal. Oh man. Yeah. Um, another thing uh, I want to talk about tonight was uh the diamond cutters. Was that a was that a DJ crew or is it more of like a collective? What was the whole history with the uh, diamond cutters? Diamond cutters is uh it's a collective of unfulfilled potential. <laughs> as, a, uh, as a collective. Okay. As, okay. as a collective. As a working collective. The cool <laughs> thing about it is we all we are all still guys who hang out, DJ together and work together, but we didn't, we haven't uh, really engineered the business side of what it could be right now. It would be the equivalent of taking the big dog pit bulls of uh, Funkmaster Flex's side and combining that with like maybe the executioners, you know, guys who have um, uh, turntable skills, but also have party rocking sensibilities and also forward thinking 
programming, you know, forward thinking play uh, selections, you know what I mean? But Diamond mm -hmm. Cutters was basically a thing of my man Two Tone and I and my man Roddy Rod um, kind of like getting the chance to really like do stuff from time to time together. And, and Two Tone would just start inviting guys over to his house, you know, like, yo, um, I'm going to set the turntables up, you know, come on through, let's work out. And I started inviting guys over. Two Tone started inviting more people. And Roddy had, you know, we all kind of knew each other, but um, we would just kind of get together and convene from time to time. And we were like, yeah, we should just do a crew. You know what I mean? So uh, the Diamond Cutters is mad deep, son. <laughs> uh, diamond Cutters, at, at the core of it, with, like people I invited was like my man, uh, Mr. Who, also known as Dirty Ice. He's a DJ producer, MC from the group called The Remains. He was working with uh, Asher Rue and a bunch of other guys. As a matter of fact, when the Boondocks uh, theme song was done, it was at it was recorded at a house that we used to live at. And uh, I almost did the scratches on that. But uh, my man Omar, his name is Omar in real life. He's the, to me, he's the illest dude. So I was like, you know what? You're right here. I know I can do my thing, but I want to hear what you do with it. So he actually did the scratches that were on uh, the Boondocks joint. So he's, he's super nice. Uh, Roddy Rod, Two-Tone, Mr. Who, uh, DJ CeeLo was down at one point. Uh, DJ Book got down with us at one point. Uh, DJ Dial Tone from Team Demolition, DJ Eskimo, DJ Hav, uh, DJ Shablast, DJ Also Fresh, DJ Jasonic, DJ Stylist, DJ... Uh, Harvey Dent, uh, who else? Uh, Mad Deep, son. <laughs> a lot of people, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember everybody, man. But it was it was like that, you know. Um, it was I mean, it was fun, man. It was fun. We, you know, we, we get to get together, and we still we still do stuff. We still slap diamond cutters on stuff, but it's it's very much like a a native tongues type thing versus a Wu Tang thing, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed with everybody I've interviewed through the whole series is that everybody, and it's a blessing, everybody's really about the youth. And so you got a you got a connection with Words Be Words Beats of Life and Gorilla um I'm sorry, Gorilla Arts Inc. Um how did right, how did right. how did those how did those both come to fusion and, and what's your role in those in those organizations? All right. Um two things. So here's how this this whole thing keeps coming back around. Uh so Guerrilla Arts, I built a relationship with Guerrilla Arts earlier that had nothing to do with doing anything with the youth, per se. Guerrilla Arts is an organization run by Asher Rue. Um, yes, some sure. people know Asher Rue from the Boondock. Some people know Asher Rue from the Unspoken Herd. Or some people just know Asher Rue as Asher Rue. But uh, at the time, Asher Rue, he and I met through Tech One. Tech One was DJing for the Unspoken Herd. Uh, Unspoken Herd was Blue Black and Asher Rue. But, you know, we got real cool. And... Uh, Ash somehow, I don't know if he if he just spontaneously asked me or, or or whatever, but I had already been working with or mentoring people, you know, uh with DJing and stuff. I had maybe about a, two years in working with a young lady by the name of DJ Heat. DJ Heat uh, is now known, I think she she DJs for Maya now, and she's also the Wizards and the Mystics uh court DJ on court at, at the uh uh, was it was it Capital One? Capital One. But she was my first official like student. So 
when he was kind of putting some things together with the Guerrilla Arts, which is his organization, he just called me, you know, like, yo, RBI, da 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 And I kind of got down and kind of helped set the foundation for, for what he would eventually do on the music side. You know, uh, he's going to do incredible things with Guerrilla Arts. And he can call me anytime. He usually calls me when he has opportunities or stuff he, he needs me to come and knock out for him. But that was the first organization that I actually got down with. Worst Beast of Life came about because it was an actual conference at University of Maryland. And Rom Deferred is involved with this one. Uh, Rom Deferred, we did a Rom Deferred out there. I think he he and his committee were responsible for booking us to come on out and perform Rom Deferred at University of Maryland. And he talked to someone, I think Nayakia from Rom Deferred, about does, does anybody do any DJ classes or any any type of DJ workshops? So they sent their sent him my way, and we communicated. And I came and did a workshop with him, and he he liked it, you know. I think I do a pretty thorough job with it. You know what I mean? So I think he uh, he saw that, okay, he's he's not just putting them on and, and, and having them try to do stuff. He's actually explaining and showing them different aspects of of, of the, the techniques and, and the styles and things like that. And he just kept calling me. He kept calling me to come and do workshops. This is my man Mozzie I'm talking about. And um, eventually he figured out that he wanted to do a lot more uh, beyond workshops and he just kept working to develop it into something that would become a weekly program and then it became a, a daily program then it became a daily program in multiple locations then it became a daily program with a headquarters and it's just been moving ever since so I um he calls me as day one because I've pretty much been there since day one once he figured out he wanted to do Ron, uh, not Ron, for um, words be some life like for real for real full time I was still there so and I'm still rocking with him now so we just kind of took it from there and uh, I kind of helped to build the foundation. You know, I, I came up with a syllabus and um, just really try to make it thorough, g give you uh, from step one to step 10, you know, from where I was with it. And uh, I think he was able to kind of use that as a model for other teachers to come in and start with graffiti and dance and emceeing and poetry and production and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it is what it is right now. And, and the, the coolest thing about all this stuff is I was able to continue uh, during my mentoring uh, for, for a lot of people who were really wanting to get into the music and learn the culture because my father and, and the artists that my cousin exposed me to like Red Alert uh, uh, learning about Bambada and stuff like that how these guys were always passing down tradition that just became something that was ingrained in me as well you know I always had like guys uh, with me because I just wanted to, I wanted people to have an opportunity to, to do something with their talent and believe in themselves. DC didn't really have that. You know, most people treated DC like it was a stepchild or it was just a go-go town. And I'm just like, look, man, I think we got the potential to, to be as great as, as anybody else. So if you rolling with me, let's, let's, let's do it. You know, let's make it happen, you know. So, I mean, I've, I've done that since I was in junior high school, you know. But uh, when I got to a professional level, I was able to do it, you know, more with, with uh, Words, Beast and Life and Guerrilla Arts and other organizations in the area like Midnight Forum. And, you know, I, I even started something called Millennium Arts around the year 2000. But I was using um, using the newsletter to kind of get things around at the time. But yeah, it's, that's just been a part of what I do, you know. But, yeah, shout out, the, um, shout out to all the shout out to all the folks who've come through them, those those programs, man, because a lot of those folks really got serious about. Wanted to be a DJ, wanted to be a producer, 
wanting to learn a business, want one to to further discipline and invest in their artistic pursuit. You know, because it's not easy. You know, I, I salute anybody who jumps out there to try to do something that doesn't have a roadmap like that. You know, so yeah, big up to all all my students, all my former students. You know, big up to DJ Heat for always telling people no matter where she goes, no matter who she's around. RBI is my sensei. That's my Jedi master. I, I really salute her for that, you know. And big up to even, uh, you know, to, to kind of pat myself a little bit, uh, big up to, like, my man Two-Face. Two-Face, he's a guy who was on KYS for a damn near decade. You know, he used to come through my crib and 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 do demos and stuff like that. And, and you know, he gave me the permission to let people know that I was a mentor for him as, you know, we were we were younger. So, you know, stuff like that, man. Yeah. Stop um, 89.3 is Capital Hill Radio. How long have you been with Capital Hill and how far does that go back with, with you on the well, Monday Night Showcase and everything? Yeah. Right. I, and there's a note I saw uh, that you sent me about me being the story king, right? <laughs> you are the story king. Yeah, I heard. I heard that, yeah. Behind everything, man. Uh, and, you know, people love to hear the story again and again, again and again. Uh, WPFW, once again, I got, I got a big up. Two people who uh, may be uh, very appreciative and attracted to WPFW. One, my man, Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill had a show called The B-Side that I first heard in 1989. And keep in mind, DC didn't play a lot of hip-hop. They just didn't. Most times when you heard hip-hop uh, on the radio or anything like that, typically it would be the very, very popular stuff. Which, you know, was, a lot of times it was good. Sometimes it wasn't. But... I'm the mixed show listening to tape guy. You know what I mean? Like, like since maybe 1985, my ears been trained to want to hear the new stuff, you know, or, or just the stuff that, you know, it's really about the culture that's really innovative. And Bobby Hill used to do the show called the B side. And what he established on the B side was just so connected to being innovative, different, and kind of sideways, me having a, I'm an artist, right? So what are most artists who are really into art, they're attracted to the less, uh, less polished, less, um, less, uh, less regular, you know, like the odder, the better in a lot of ways, because it, it's interesting. So Bobby used to play Public Enemy and, and like John Coltrane at the same time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And it used to bug me out, like, yo, what is this I'm listening to? But it it was Public Enemy. Like, I, I can hear I, – I, I didn't understand Coltrane, but I can still hear that Public Enemy. So it exposed me to Coltrane and made me my, – my ear kind of get uh, familiar with it through Public Enemy. You kind of get what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure he did the same thing for, for everybody else. They may not be in the Public Enemy, but they were in the Coltrane. So now they have an, uh, an appreciation maybe for Public Enemy. Uh, and he also played Ultra Magnetic. Nobody in DC played Ultra Magnetic. Nobody. And I love Ultra Magnetic. So that was almost like a litmus test for me. If if you were somebody who knew about Ultra Magnetic or the Jungle Brothers, I'm like, oh yeah, we can hang. We can hang because <laughs> everybody knows Eric Man Rock him because their videos come on, you know. Mm -hmm. But you got to kind of know your stuff to know about Ultra or Jungle. And he played Bobby played stuff like that. So. That really pulled me into PFW just just to have it on on my radar uh, as another another station because it doesn't get mentioned by a lot of people. They mention KYS, who, who 
the station that really didn't start playing hip hop like that, maybe till around ninety one, uh, with uh the dope lineup they had John Doe, Paul Howard, uh CeeLo Iron, you know, those guys that were on there doing the mix shows. But PFW was playing hip hop, you know, it just didn't play it that way. It wasn't a traditional mix format. But um ninety three once again when X Man came on, that furthered it because I got a chance to visit the station. And I used to go there all the time, you know, uh as a you know, young, young dude trying to get into, you know, radio thing, you know. And I was an assistant over there for for his show, The Underground Sound. So fast forward um, from maybe like 2005, they they a lot of the stations stopped doing hip hop programming uh, when Tupac and Biggie died. And PFW was one of them. Uh, PGC, KYS, they they cut their mix shows off and all that. I I, I think I'm recalling this correctly, but um, they eventually started you know playing hip hop and everything, but it 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 lost the the flavor of the the underground mix show. It was more mainstream in a lot of ways. The under, I, I kind of feel like the underground mix show went the way of the dodo as far as like commercial radio in DC. Yeah. So college radio and uh really really college radio was holding it down for a while, you know. Uh but eventually PFW, who has a stronger signal than all the college radio stations around here, uh started recruiting some of the all-stars from college radio uh to do this thing called Decipher in 2005. Uh, I was pulled into Decipher by a couple of my homies. One was Mozzie and my man DJ True. Uh, amongst the Decipher programmers were other guys who I had um, shared the, the, the airways with at WMUC at University of Maryland, the Soul Controllers. They were over there too. So, you know, you, you take the, the University of Maryland guys and we basically started populating most of what will become that Decipher strip. Shout out to DJ Silver, his crew, my, my man Machete. Shout out to uh, my man Dr. Jared Ball, uh, Dr. Hate, and, and Shawnee. They had a show called Black Academics. Uh, Hollaback crew was, was Noodles, Mozzie, myself, DJ True. Uh, Soul Controllers, of course, was Thursday. Power Hour was Friday with Machete, Silver, and there was somebody else in there, but I can't remember their name. But and Monday was the open slot. Monday didn't have a show. So Tuesday through Friday was populated with actual programs. Monday was something what was called All-Star Monday, where maybe one or two shows would, would link up. So maybe on one Monday, the Wednesday show and the Friday show would collaborate for the Monday. And vice versa, the Tuesday and Thursday would come on on a Monday. Eventually, Two-Tone, yeah, Two-Tone was a part of uh the uh, Black Academic Show. And Two-Tone and I were tight. You know, we, we, we hung out. We knew each other even before all that, you know. And uh, so he and I hung out and done stuff a whole lot. And I was like, yo, man, I want to do another show. Because the show that I was on and the show that he was on, even though we got to play music, they were themed more about political issues and social issues. And I'm like, yo, man, I, I just want to play some. I, I want to do a hip-hop show. You know what I mean? Where if we talk to people generally, we want to talk to hip hop artists. We want to talk to people who are maybe producers, rappers, DJs, you know, people who are um, just a part of the, the hip hop community, because this is what I, I feel like the strip is lacking. Uh, and I know I, I approach it from an entertainment aspect, but also, also from a scholarship aspect, a scholarly aspect. And Two Tone shares that with me. So we just gathered a bunch of the homies together. And it's, it was an experiment, man. The idea was really taking a barbershop aspect, the Stretch Armstrong and Bobbito aspect, 
and maybe uh, uh, almost like an ESPN type of uh, uh, sports center aspect, you know, just kind of be able to talk shop. Just want to talk shop, play some music, uh, crack some jokes, you know, uh, throw some freestyles on, play some exclusives, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. And then, so that was show that show in 2007 was called Ill Street Grooves. And that show's still on now. It's on WPFW on every first Saturday because we were the first Monday, you know, the first day of the week, you know. And uh, my man Tony Smith, who, who was down with, uh, now he's down with the Jay Dilla Foundation. But you should interview Tony Smith, man. Tony, you talk, you think I got stories, man. Tony got stories. And Tony's <laughs> probably about six, seven years older than me. And he's done pretty much everything out in the city. But uh, Tony got down with us, too, so. Tony would, would hop on the mic every time we go to a music break. He would go first, 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 first. And I was like, yeah, we're going to keep that, you know. So now Ill Street is on the first Saturday. And Capital Ill came about because the Decipher Strip was eliminated at some point and actually got rid of all the hip-hop programming. And I think people raised hell. We're like, yo, why y'all get rid of the hip-hop? This is the realest, realest hip-hop strip in the city. So uh, they reinstated the hip hop programming, but they put it on Saturday and that, that kind of changed everything. And for me, it, it came to a point where I was only able to get on the air once a month. And, if, and like at first we had three hours. So I was like, okay, if we, if we break what was originally our shows down, which were one hour, we were doing four hours a month, right? Typically. So I'm like, okay, we're almost keeping the same energy. We got three hours. We don't have four. We had three hours. So I'm going to try to fit, Everything I might have played every Monday in this one Saturday. Then eventually, because they moved us to Saturday and our programming cut into somebody else's programming, they were protests, so we lost an hour. So we were only on for two hours. I'm like, yo, I got to wait a whole month just to play music for two hours? I get so much music sent my way. I listen to so much music. that People need to hear this, you know? So I, I lobbied to get another uh, slot over at PFW. Shout out to Katia Stitch because she she uh, helped me to push that through and we pulled the Monday and uh, Capitol Hill started. You know, so this is, it was originally supposed to be uh, uh, it's a concept I came up with that was really supposed to be doing what you're doing right now which is interviewing and uh, uh, chronicling uh, the culture of, of the D.C. area, the DMV, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia even going as far as down to Richmond and Baltimore but really want to tell our stories and play our music and stuff like that. But uh, the, 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 I wanted to brand the name. I didn't want nobody to take it. You know how sometimes you sit and you're like, man, if I don't use this, somebody else might take it. So I just, I was yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just called it Capital Hill. And it, if you think about it, Hill Street Grooves, Capital Hill, you know, I was like, there's a little thing there, you know what I mean? So people can make an association. I just kind of kept it going from there. So we still do, a lot of DC-centered stuff, but it's not strictly DC uh, music. It's not even strictly hip hop. Like you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of like whatever we want to do. But we are the hip hop generation, so we definitely don't shy away from the hip hop. You know, and a lot of a lot of times people love it so much, we just been playing a lot of hip hop. You know, but Capital Hill's been running since 2016, uh, and I think Decipher switched over in 2013 to Saturday. So for three years almost, I was only having from three to two hours to play a month. And eventually when we got the, the Monday slot, every Monday, 10 to midnight, two hours, been rolling ever since. But once again, like we're kind of experimenting a lot. So we're making a lot of this up and then 
finding like what works and keeping it, you know what I mean? And just trying to trim stuff that's not working, you know. We, you know, we, a lot of people don't walk through them doors, you know. Talking about mentoring, you know, I got my man ADST that's in there now who, who was, he was not originally part of the crew. Uh, the original crew was, was Two-Tone, myself, my man Black Ink, and my man RNL, and DJ Intense. So that was our, rounded out our first crew. But uh, over time, you know, folks not being able to make it from time to time, I just started inviting other people in. And, uh, you know, we, we provided opportunities for, like, Dadrian Collins, who's a jazz musician, but he's also a radio personality now, you know. Um, he's a producer, too. Uh, DJ Halak has been down with us for a little while. You know, he's one of my mentees from Words Beats of Life. I started taking him with me to gigs. So he, you know, started subbing for me a few times on the radio. I said, come and join the crew. So he's down with us. And um, like I said, ADST, we even pulled my man Artemis up in, up in there, man, you know. And, uh, you know and that's an RNL connection. Mean, I've known Artemis for years, but Ar uh, I mean, sorry, I've, I've known Artemis for years, but RNL is like one of the biggest advocates for Artemis. So uh, he, he, you know, he, he pulled, he pulled my man, pulled my man in, you know, pulled him in. Shout out to my man, uh, Sam the Man Burns too, you know. Sam Burns used to rock with us on Ill Street from time to time, you know. And I'm, I'm thinking about the pictures we took. So when I was thinking about Artemis just now, it just made me think about Sam because Sam, Sam was like a guest star in these, uh, these pictures we took, these press photos we took. So yeah, shout out and uh, rest in peace to Sam Burns. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace, Sam. I hope I answered that, you know. You did, you did. <laughs> so we got, we got eight minutes left, man. Um, is there any last words you want to get out to anybody that's uh, watching this or will we'll be watching this later down the road? You know, anything you want to say to everybody? Well, you know what I'll do. I'll say this much, man. Because uh, I don't. People tell me, yo, you should talk about your stuff more. Uh, you don't brag on yourself enough. This, that, and the third. You know. Here's what I'm gonna do, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out. A lot of the artists who I've been able to build with and uh, let you know where you may be able to catch some of my work, you know, uh, from the from the 90s on. Now, me and this guy, we don't necessarily have the, the, the tight friendship we used to have back then, but I used to do artwork uh, with the, uh, a company from the area uh, that this guy started. If you see any records from a guy named The Great Deity Da, uh, the character is like a superhero character. You know, we, we created the character together. So all the artwork on the, the earlier uh, releases, that's my pen. That's my, that's my hand. That's my pen. It's my pencils and pen. Uh, so you'll see RBI in the corner of some of the stuff. You know, you see my name on it. Uh, but, you know, as far as being historically, you know, relevant, definitely check that out if you can. Uh, shout out to all the crews, man. I, I, I'll say this much. One of the joys of, of being in a position that I'm in is I've pretty much been able to be a journeyman to, to have built relationships with virtually every major crew from the area, you know, uh, and that, that helps really to fulfill what I always thought what our region would be capable of doing. You know, the same way you have a Zulu nation, the same way you, you remember how you used to look on the back of the, the hip hop albums and you see like a whole page worth of thank yous and stuff like that. Yeah. I always yeah. thought about that, you know, as far as this area is concerned, you know, so uh, once, you know, shout out to those organizations I mentioned earlier, you know, Freestyle Union, uh, Zulu Nation, all my all my folks from Zulu Nation, all my folks from Freestyle Union, everybody used to rock with, with X-Men over the underground sound. Got to big up, you know, my, my, my first real induction, you know, the crew that I've been down with since 93, the Infinite Loop, 
you know, my man Head Rock, uh, my man Dimes, Grizz, uh, uh, D-Man, Face, Los, Theory, uh, Black Indian, Slim Cat, HL, Omar Retinue, Boo Boo the Fool, uh, my man John Moon, uh, my man uh, Heron Gabron. Uh, these are all the guys who were once part of Infinite Loop. It's crazy. Um, who else, man? My man, uh, my man Blaz, uh, Ty, uh, my man Odyssey. Not Odyssey with the O, but Odyssey. He he formed a group called Mass Influence that uh, is based out of Atlanta, but he used to be down with us too back in the day. Uh, so yeah, Infinite Loop, man. Big up Infinite Loop. Uh, definitely big up my 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 boys over in the Plexus crew. My man Priest, my man Kokai. Uh, once again, Black Indian, who's a part of Opus, Akaban, uh, Sub-Z, super ill. He, he, yo, Sub-Z's top five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude, this is crazy. Uh, Poem C's, my man, uh, uh, Black Picasso, and, and my man, Daryl, DP, my man, DJ Stylus, uh, the Amphibians crew. I'm not naming all them. They's super deep. They deep in the group. <laughs> Joey took care of that in his, in his episode, so you good. <laughs> word, word, word. Uh, team Demolition. Uh, like I said, at the time, Deity Die. Uh, uh, my man uh, uh, over at El, my people's at Elcon, you know, Tech One, Dirty Hands. Uh, my graffiti dudes, you know what I'm saying? My man Ultra, all them cats, you know. Uh, I'm going to stop with that right there. Just, just try to recount a lot of the 90s people, you know. Uh, my man's uh, over at the crew called the Knights too. I got to shout the Knights out. My man uh, Muscles McLeod. Rest in peace, my man Bert. You know, Bert. Bert is a dude who who uh, didn't really get a chance to let the world hear his talent. You know, but his cousin is Eddie Black from from Question Mark Asylum. So they're they're making sure they keep mentioning his name for folks who are out there uh, listening to them. So big up to them too. Uh, but I'll do this to, to close that that part out. You know. Uh, just to run down some of the stuff you can hear my my work on, me doing cuts and scratches and stuff, you know, storm and unpredictable stuff. Shout out, my, I, mean, I don't know how I forgot to mention storm, but storm and unpredictable, OG, one of the illest MCs, one of the coolest guys that you know, and he invited me to work on some of his stuff uh, around the early 2000s, man. So you'll hear my work on storm, hear my work on priest and nomad stuff, especially his last album. I got a couple of songs I did scratches on. Um, Shout out to my man Asheru. Almost forgot to mention him. There's too many guys from out here, you know. But um, he shouted me out. He actually did a song where he spells his name out with the letters. And he when he got to the R, he shouted me out. So big up to Ash for that. Put me in the in the books on that side. Uh, Funk Sayu is an artist I used to work with. Um, he shouted me out. Did a record with Black Thought, you know, um, back then, you know. And the record he did with Black Thought, he gave me a shout out on that. So. You got to think about, you know, my name ringing them bells. You feel me? Um, <laughs> but uh, Mamuna Youssef, I'm on I'm on her album, The Blooming, the song called The Blooming. I did scratches on that. Uh, okay. I did scratches on Uptown XO's uh, last album. A couple of songs. Big up my man, Drew Dave, Uptown XO. Uh, I did scratches on one of YU's songs from his debut album, uh, The Urn. I think the song's called Blind. Uh, what else? Um, I did cuts on Kev Brown, a couple Kev Brown joints, you know, uh, big up Kev Brown, man. Uh, 
It's too yeah, many dudes, too many dudes, man. But low budget, yo, big up low budget, man. You know that's that's like another fifth family for me. You know all those dudes over there, that, those are my peoples right there. Um, and Kev, you know, yo, we we it's 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 a, a thing with him and me and Kev, man, trying to work on a song, man. It's been like a couple of times where I had to keep going back to his crib, and I've recorded different scratches for the same song so many times, you know. But those songs, um, one one is called. Um, the versatility joint, that's the one I really had to keep going back for. It's a song called Work in Progress off his first album that you hear my work on. And the last, well, not the last one, but one of the last albums he put out called Homework is a bonus track called Underrated that did scratches on. A lot of people really like that joint. Um, yeah, man, I can't remember every, I've, I've done a lot of work, you know, over the years, man. <laughs> check out, check out my Mooner, check out Priest, check out Kev Brown, check out Storm. Um, man, I'm forgetting some stuff because I, I should have written it down. I, I thought I can go off the top and remember all the work, but yeah, just check out those joints right there. Uh, big up to Godzilla. Uh, big up to uh, K. Beta, J. Skrilla. Uh, oh shit, uh, my, my my brothers and my brothers on here. My man, uh, we, I call him Ram Dog. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Ram Dog and his man AJ, they got a show that they do. Shout out to my radio guys. You know. Uh, shout out to my my mentors, man. Shout out my man Jaquan. Shout out my man Paul Howard. You know, check those those guys out. Paul Howard does a show right after us on PFW. Jaquan has a he has a show on YouTube called uh, The Foundation, a channel called The Foundation. Uh, to me, the best hip hop history uh, channel that you can you can check out because he does really good essays on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Big up my man DJ Boom in the Hip Hop Museum. You know, I've been rocking with them for a few years. Uh, definitely big up my man Mozzie, Words, Beats, and Life. Uh, my man Asheru uh, with Gorilla Art Scene. My man DJ True. He calls himself Dominic Painter now. He's out on the West Coast. Big up Human Profits. I don't want to keep bigging up people up, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, <laughs> I know a lot of people, man. I love them all. I love all of them. So I, I'll keep going with that. I don't want to keep doing that. They know. They know. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, man, at some point we we should we should we should link up and, and really really do some things. You know what I'm saying? Sure, man. I see my man Slim Cat popped up, man. I know I mentioned his name a couple times, man, but yo, big up Slim Cat, my man Black Ink, yo. You know what I mean? They they the, they the two illest record dudes I know. You know what I mean? But yeah, man, that's I'll, I'll wrap it up like that, man. Just check me out on um on Monday over at WPFW Capital L. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do this Monday. Last couple of shows, I had to really think about um, what I wanted to say coming on the air yeah. because uh, one thing I do like to do with DJing is is try to speak through it, you know, use the artistic uh, opportunity, you know, to to connect beyond just you know party music, you know what I mean, or commercial music and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, and um, being able to weave a tale and, and touch you here instead of always on your ass, you know what I mean? Uh, that means something. So, yeah, just check check me out Monday, 10 o'clock to midnight. WPFWFM.org is the uh, website online that you, you, can, you can stream live from there. If you're in the city, of course, go to 89.3 FM. Of course, if you're on IG, check me out, DJ underscore RBI. Uh, I have a vending company that I've been doing stuff with called The Crate Adventure. Basically, just selling my records, selling comics, you know, stuff that I've been into, you know, uh, stuff I've collected over the years. A lot of classics in there. 
a lot of classes you can check out. You know, uh, I have a Discogs page um, under our business, R-B-I-Z-N-E-Z-Z. And I'm mm -hmm. setting up the venture on Discogs and on eBay. So uh, just keep looking out for that. You can go to the creative venture underscore on uh, Instagram and kind of see some of the stuff that we were doing there. And uh, just, I would say this, I have a very expansive mind. I have a multitude of talents and I'm trying to spend as much time as I can nurturing those talents to create content. So you can kind of see what, what else I got on my mind and the other things I want to express and leave for the world. So just stay up with me. I will be providing updates on those types of things. You can look me up on Mixcloud under R-B-I-Z-N-E-Z-Z -Z, or simply just search DJ R-B-I. You're going to see somebody else's name come up too, but that's not me. But you'll see my picture. You'll know it's me. Uh, but I think those are the pertinent things that I, I can say uh, for folks who want to check me out. Uh, most of the places that you can just search DJ R-B-I and I'm probably going to pop up. Facebook, you do that. Twitter, you can do that, you know. And uh, the website is under in development. It's called akarbi.com, also known as rbi.com. Anybody who wants to send me music for consideration for either web play, mix show play, radio play, hit me at music, the number four, rbi at gmail.com. Music for rbi at gmail.com. Um, I think I think that's it. I think that's it. You know, we'll figure it out. We, do, you, we'll do, do you do uh do your episodes go like if people want to like like let's say they missed your Monday night episode, can people backtrack and listen to it like on the loop or something like that? Yeah, what you can do, go to the website wpfwfm.org, uh -huh. look up little ill, and uh, you should be able to find it in archive shows. What I what I used to do a lot more often was actually record the shows in, in real crystal clear uh, quality and I would upload them. Uh, lately, the, the machines that the station have been um, inconsistent, but I will be able to upload maybe the last couple of episodes that I've, I've been able to get audio from on my Mixcloud page. So AKA underscore DJ underscore RBI, you can catch me on Mixcloud. That, that'll be the page I'll be putting that up on. I'm trying to keep my, my little brand consistent, man. Either it's DJ RBI or, or it's AKA RBI. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Also known as RBI. What's up, Face? My man Face, my man Seed. I see the legends popping up in this in the chat room. I wasn't watching y'all the whole time. I was watching Month. We trying to keep eye contact and be. Yeah, you know, man. In a, <laughs> yeah, Seed's yeah, yeah, been in every single episode, man. So shout out to Seed, yeah. man. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's amphibians right Thank there. Thank you so much for being here tonight, bro. 40, 80. But yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this again, man. You know, if, if we if we really talking, my story is is really the story of the DMV hip hop community. If I'm keeping it a buck with you, you know, because right. uh, I I kind of feel like I've been there, you know, and uh, I, I love all of them. You know what I mean? I love them all. You know, and like we keep going. I, I'll be doing shout outs like DJ Premier does shout out. Premier does shout out for a half hour. You could be talking to him about spaghetti, and if he he remember who who uh who introduced him to a, a certain flavor of spaghetti, he'll start bigging them up. Then he'll big up the person who 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 he knew them person from, and then next thing you know, he's bigging up King of Chill and bigging up MC Light and uh, his boy from Houston, Carlos Garza, and you know, 
I, I wound up doing the same thing. So I'm going to shut it down with that. You know what I'm saying? But I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, RBI, man. We'll definitely keep in touch, just like you said, man. Definitely uh, meet up, man, when all this COVID stuff is done with. So. For sure. And one, one more thing. Big Jessica has sure. been in the, in the chats, man. Jessica, you need, you need to holler at Jessica if she wants to talk because Jessica's been the main person that I can remember. Her, maybe my man Troy, who would be on the on the scene a lot, documenting stuff. So you would catch, like, she got, I think between the two of them, they got stuff from way back, you know. And my man, uh, Super Sid, Super Sid, um, he's not been in the the nucleus of the DMV hip hop scene, but he's been he's been in the scene enough where he's a good person to talk to about about things. He has a whole bunch of other stuff that he can tell you about when it comes to to the history out here. You know what I mean? Like he has decades of footage. You know what I'm saying? So we'll talk though, man. You know, I I, I hope you build this. This thing out with some more uh, luminaries, man. Uh, aside from the guys that you've already been able to talk to, you know, your lineup has been phenomenal. You know, phenomenal. thank you so much, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fall back, man. I'm a fall back. You know what I'm saying? Cause, <laughs> you know, hey, man. I, I think it's so important, man. I do this. You know, what you're doing is, like I said, something that I do, man. And uh, it's, it's always good to have just credible, thorough folks. You know. Continuing to do the work because we gotta keep we gotta do these stories, man. We gotta do it. Got to do, do it, man. Uh, cultivating, keeping everything intact, man. It's, it's a big part of our. Just like you said, man, earlier, man. Our scene is so rich, you know, and I feel like we need to be proud of you know our roots, you know, and where, and where we come from, you know. So, and I feel like people need to share their stories. It's like you, man. So it's cool to have you on the other side tonight talking about your about your life, man. So, yo, man, for sure. Big up grindstone too. I'm gonna be doing this all night, man. I gotta go, man. <laughs> I love, I love them, man. I, love, I just love my people, man. You know what I mean? I, I love, I just love, man. There's so many dope people, you know, that just live out here, man. I just, I love them, man. I just love them, man. It's, it's, they, they give me so much life, you know what I mean? Like, for real. They're just really good folks out here, yo. Yeah. And everybody loves you, too, man. Everybody loves you, too, RV. I mean, you can see in the comments, man. It's been all love all night, man. So, it's Word. been dope. Word. But, yo, man, enjoy your weekend. Um and yeah, definitely when when uh when we get an opportunity, we'll link up and we'll make this thing even bigger. You know what I'm saying? We'll make it even yes, bigger. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you everybody right. for tuning in tonight, man. Really appreciate the love, guys. You guys have a good night. Peace out, Harvey. All right.